Welcome back to the Max Effort Kitchen Podcast. We got a great segment for you. It's called The Athlete and the Chef. So sit back, relax, and let's go. Max Effort Kitchen. Oh man, it's been like a solid three weeks since we've been on here, I think. But uh, I am your host, Chef Matt. I'm joined by my buddy, uh, Cornell George. How you doing, my friend? I am doing great. Just finished up making some pizza. Nice. Uh, Finished off some of the, I hope hope we're not going to get sick. Finished off some of those leftover pieces, uh, ingredients from last week. Oh, oh, you'll be fine. Everything was... Everything was kept in the refrigerator. I was fine, but yeah, remade that uh, the basil shrimp balsamic yeah. one. Oh my gosh, <laughs> isn't that so, good? So for people, I don't like tomatoes. I mean, I'll eat tomato sauce. I'll eat tomatoes if they're on a burger. I'm, I've never put something put tomatoes on food. Yeah, and I put the tomatoes on the pizza today. Hell yeah, dude! It's amazing. I'm telling you, that's so. That was one of my very, very first pizza recipes um, that that just like ignited some fire in in pizza because it's like it's that the combination of like fat, garlic, tomatoes, the balsamic reduction, like the sweetness of that, and then you know, and I'll, and I'll, truth be told, the shrimp was something I added out there. Like I, I usually okay. don't, I usually don't put the shrimp on there, but I was like, I'm with a bunch of weightlifters. They're going to look at me crazy if I don't throw some meat on this. So we're going to do some shrimp. Um, and I yeah, think it was the awesome. Shrimp, the shrimp just set it off. Cause yeah. there's that, that kind of shrimpy flavor, but then that with, I hate to say this with the sweetness of the tomatoes, <laughs> <laughs> the freshness of the basil, yep. and then just that zing from yep. the balsamic. Yeah. It was like, when you're chewing up the shrimp, you're like, I don't, if you didn't know it was shrimp, you'd be like, what is that? Yes. But it's got texture. It's got, yep. it, it didn't have a ton of flavor, but it had enough that you're, it just complemented everything perfectly. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And it's like one of my top, like three favorite pizzas. And when you said we were making pizzas down there, I was like, I'm doing this one for sure, because this is probably something that nobody really eats and we're just going to explore it. And it was great. That's awesome that you made it again today. That's uh, yeah. I also love that it's something that I've never had before, and I'm sure I'll be making pizza for people for a long time. Yes, and it'll be it's going to be one of my go to ones now, just because it's easy, it's mm-hmm. simple, and no one has had it. Yep, exactly. And uh, and but that really surprises me too, because you know, um, in my mind, this is a very and this is such a stereotype, so don't get mad. But it's a very California-style pizza, you know, with, with the shrimp <laughs> yep. and the fresh ingredients and all that stuff. But it just works, and it's a crap. I will pizza. say, I will say, I looked at the avocado there. I'm like, ooh, what if uh, I put the avocado on it? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I had some. Uh, let's. I'm going to use the word interesting pizza <laughs> over the weekend. We were at the uh, the Oregon coast over in Lincoln City, and. There's this uh, this little place. It's been there for like, I don't know. It's like one of those old pizzerias. It's been there for 45 years or so. And they do something um, dramatically different about how they compo- or like put their pizzas together. They put like sauce, all the toppings, and the cheese on top. 
and I was thinking about you when I, I like, that sounds weird. <laughs> I actually thought about you when I ate this because I was like, he loves that one cheese pizza that, that's by his house that loads it with cheese because there's so much cheese on this pizza that you can't really see the toppings. Mm-hmm. And it was, it, okay, listen, I like um, parlor style pizza. I, you know, before we were talking, before we went live, I said, you know, shitty pizza, but it's not shitty pizza. It's parlor style pizza, which is just a different type of crust. It's a little bit thinner. Um, doesn't have the rise of the fresh dough and all that, but there was something really, really, uh, good about it. But then there was a, a function about it that I didn't like, which was the toppings don't adhere to the dough as well. Like I want the toppings to stick to the dough. So when I was like taking a bite, I'd pull out and like, it would pull everything off. I'd have to like, kind of like maneuver it to not pull all the toppings off. That is something I can get past because it tasted fantastic. <laughs> so. so that is, that is one of the problems that Felipe's, but okay. The one thing with Felipe's is if you get it, if you eat it there, yeah. it's, it's going to be so much better than if you take it home. Just be, uh. just that 15, 20 minute drive home. If you get it there, it's like that still molted cheese. Okay. So I, when I'm there and I eat it, I use a fork. Like for the first couple pieces, you end up just cutting it up with a fork because it's so hot. Oh, I like Like, fork and knife pizza, man. That's a great idea. And, and there's probably three, four layers of pepperoni underneath the half inch of cheese. So it's almost like a, a cheese lasagna or pizza lasagna, but it's, uh, but then once, if you get it home, you're, then you, you do have that problem where you can pull a piece out of the, the box or whatever and lose some of the topping. Yeah. And, um, and that's funny you say that because we got it delivered to the room. And so there was a, a solid 15 minutes from when it got pulled out of the oven to our room, if not more. So, um, that's a good point. Next time I go down there, we're going to eat there. We totally had planned to eat there, but like, we were like, let's just get order in we're watching a movie just you know have a good time but uh yeah i mean dude it's been a crazy two weeks <laughs> yeah um had a great we had a great trip down uh down to court sea cornell down at the strength tank uh some lifting buddies and just uh like a like a what it was kind of like a, po- a boys like lifting weekend almost it was yeah, fun. it was like a microdose camp. Yeah, <laughs> microdose <laughs> that's, camp. That's like the new keyword. I like, like, the I like hot, that hot word. Yeah, yeah totally. That, that's that's a perfect way of putting it. Uh, on the, I get a bunch of those liquid deaths, and I got them for the the yep. the hangout. Yeah, and on the side of the can it says microdose caffeine thirty. 30 milligrams per can. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is, this is the new cool word. <laughs> Microdose. Listen to this. And we, we talked about that down there too. Um, but no, it was a good trip. I, you know, I couldn't sit there and, and say there was a, a one specific highlight that stuck out, man. I mean, all the people at the strength tank and like the coaches and just that whole community was awesome. Um, but I gotta say, I, still have not stopped talking about that 16 hour brisket Josh made. <laughs> that was amazing. That thing. Like I, I, I ate on that until I couldn't. And, mm-hmm. and that's a lot. And like, I, I was just so blown away. Like, cause it was, well, first of all, first of all, I was blown away of the, the dollar amount that it cost because it was like 50 <laughs> bucks for a 16 pound, 
uh, brisket, which <laughs> is unheard of um, on that part. But uh, the, the just the minimal work he had to do and the product it created was was something out of this world. And I guess if you have the 16 hours and you can time your day right, it, it doesn't take much. But and, and he's been doing this for probably eight to 10 years. Yeah. So he's, he's got it down. He, he can tell you which rub he's going to, how he's going to make it. He knows the recipe like in his head. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he, I know it's not too complicated to, totally. to do a rub. Like you can throw anything together and it'll, it'll taste good, but yeah. he has his recipe down. He's a Texas boy. And so he, he has a, a very Texas way of barbecuing. And now I'm here. I'm going to out myself here <clears throat> because it's just the right thing to do. But, um, he did cook it on a Traeger and yep. I, I kept my mouth shut about it the whole time. <laughs> and I'm glad <laughs> I did because I didn't give a shit what that thing was cooked on because I, it would taste so good. So <laughs> it was, well, no, we've talked a little bit about it and we're not, we're not dogging the, the outcome. No, we know it can come out amazing, That's true. but there's just some other stuff that mm-hmm. for some people, uh, we want to, we want to slave over things more and complain about it more. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. And so, uh, it was a lot of cold tanks, a lot of hot tubs. <laughs> I sat in a hot tub more that you left that weekend than I probably have the entire year. <laughs> it was awesome. Uh, some, some major sunburns, um, and, just an overall good weekend, man. So, uh, I wanted to over the air, thank you for having us. And it was just a really, really good time. So, yeah. Yeah. I thought it was amazing. I think that the one part that will stick out to me and it was just because felt like we got our hands stuck in the cookie jar is I think it was, was it Friday evening where we were all just like put our shoes on we're like pick like packing up our bags, yep. ready to go. And yep. Stephanie walks over. And she goes, "What? You guys are skipping out on accessory work?" And we're like, "No, we're just taking our shoes off so we don't ruin no. them by doing all the other stuff we're supposed to do." Exactly. And, and then we all just like walked over, like acting like we weren't just sending a huge lie (laughs) (laughs) no i i totally did it like barefoot too (laughs) like i didn't put my actual shoes on i was like well i'm doing this barefoot i guess um (laughs) yeah that was uh and that you know damon when damon and i were talking about that when we were waiting in the airport on the way home and it's it's so true what damon said he goes you know what if she said anything different we would probably question her coaching you know methods you know, if she yeah. didn't, if she didn't call us out, if she didn't like sit there, like she came up to me, uh, the first day we, we lifted there and she looked at me, she goes, so, uh, you come all the way down here to lift in my gym and you know, I'm, I'm your coach and all that. And you just skipping the program. <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 no. I did the program. I'm just doing extra, you know? And she goes, Oh, that's very very Cornell of you, <laughs> but like no that that oh, one of the things I love with her is some coaches you go off program you change the program you modify the program it's like bad you you need to do the program you follow the program you follow the program right right you you do that with her and it's like what are you doing okay 
full encouragement of what you're doing. Right. She's not going to be like, I'm not going to coach you now. She's not going to, she's not going to turn her back on you. She's going to still be the coach that she wants to be. Correct. You'll still like smack your hand yeah. and tell you you're, you're being a bad boy. Yep. That sounds terrible. But, <laughs> <laughs> but she's still going, her, her main job is coach. Yeah. And one of the side jobs of coach is programmer. Right. And she's going to be a coach over a programmer always. Yeah. So. You know, and, and in the, you know, two day, two, three days I was down there. Like I learned something from her and that was really cool. It's, uh, it was really nice. Uh, how do I put this? It was really nice to be able to connect with a coach and not feel like we had to be best friends. Like yeah. she, you know, um, she rides that line of a coach versus like, you know, someone that's a friend pretty well. And I think she leans more towards the coach. Obviously she doesn't know us very well. And so she was probably, there was a little of that and you have different experiences with her, but like I, I, I always, I felt really positive about like this aspect that I could like, I could just come back to Oregon. I could go, you know, go to my garage gym, take what she taught me, not necessarily feel like she's going to be hounding me to be, um, this, uh, friend, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know what I mean? Like I'm I'm paying her for a service, so I don't want to feel like I'm paying her to be my friend, but I'm paying her to do a coach and she did her job. And that was really cool. I, I, I appreciated that experience of it. Yeah. I've talked with her a little bit about some of that kind of stuff. And she said that, uh, her coach is at SoCal weightlifting. And she just said that it's very important to her that how professional you have to keep that coach coach athlete relationship. And it doesn't mean you can't be friends, but you have to always keep it professional Yeah, and not cross boundaries and not, uh, like you're a coach first. Yep. And, and it's interesting because that's the way I, I treat my career is because, you know, I'm, I'm a very sports oriented person. And so when I start managing people and managing people is something I've done all my life, in my career. And like, I will be like, bro, come on, you know, or, you know, we'll tell, we'll, we'll exchange stories. But you know, my people, like my kitchen managers know at the end of the day, um, that I mean business when I mean business and that like, yes, we are going to talk about, you know, stuff in our life and all that. And and we're going to joke and be that, but like, I'm still, I'm still the boss. And I'm still here to tell you what to do and not tell you what to do, but help you get through this job and and provide the tools and all that fun stuff. Um, And there is a level of professionalism. I love that you said that because I think professionalism is something that gets, uh, it gets a little blurry when it gets into sports. Sure. Yeah. And I think that if you have too much of that friendship over the coach relationship in a coaching relationship is too many emotions can get involved. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like, if, if you're mad at somebody because of something, then you don't necessarily, you're not going to be the coach that you're supposed to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I made it, I made it really, not, I, 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 that sounds right. Wrong. I didn't make it clear, but what I did was I, I spoke up when we did our like one-on-one little consultation before I signed up and I was like, listen, you know, um, I want to, I want to be very open and tell you that like, you know, obviously I'm not going to be on this team forever. If I am great. Awesome. 
but you know, life happens and I can't tell you what's going to happen five down, five years down the road. I go, but what I don't want to do is I don't want to feel like if I leave this team, all of a sudden I'm losing a community. Like I, I don't want to like join something and say, Oh, I'm afraid to leave this team because of the backlash. And we've, sure. we've felt that before and not, and, and this is not any, anywhere near steered towards that experience, but that experience does have a place in history. And, you know, we, you're going to compare the stuff that happens from the past into the stuff that's happening in the present. And you're going to see what you like and understand that. And I was just very open with her. I was like, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't want that to happen. I don't want to feel like I'm, I'm part of a thing that I can't leave because of hurting people's feelings. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's great. You know, and and coaching is such an interesting, interesting topic to talk about because I, you know, and you guys have all heard me talk about this um, on our, on our polo chats and everything. And, and I'm in a really interesting spot because so, so for those of you don't know, I've been coaching for the past seven weeks. I've been coaching uh, second to fourth grade flag football and all of you out there are probably like, okay, whatever, not a big deal. But uh, I'm telling you, this was competitive football, dude, like <laughs> more than I ever imagined. I, I didn't really, I, I went into it not knowing um, and ended up, uh, you know, I'll toot my own horn a little bit, but we ended up winning the entire league. And it was, when we won, it was an interesting experience because, you know, it always like, Growing up in football, it was all about that locker room speech, right? And how, how do you talk to your athletes after they do something absolutely amazing? Like, what do you do, you know? In weightlifting, um, you're, it's, it's still an individual sport. And so you do have your coach there to congratulate you, hug you, whatever. You have your community on, on the Instagrams that you get to, like, you know, tell everybody about your stuff. But this was like, you know, it was like we were in the huddle there was 15 seconds left and I looked at the ref and the ref just nodded at me and was basically telling me to run down the clock. And so I was just like, all right, guy, I looked at my guys and I was like, all right, here's what we're going to do guys. And I looked at them all. I go, we're going to be champions. And they just kind of looked up at me and like their eyes got huge. And <laughs> I'm a little embarrassed to say this, but like, I almost started crying at that moment. Dude. <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't get the end of the, I couldn't get the speech out at the end of the game. And so I just said like three lines. I thanked the parents and I was like, all right, we gotta, we gotta go over to the, uh, to the trophy celebration or whatever. But after it was all over and all the, the hard work that you put into something, into a sport. And this is why I love sports so much. But it's like, as you're going through it, it's hard. It's frustrating. There's ups and downs. There's, you know, in weightlifting, there's missed lifts. There's bad weeks. There's, you know, hurt. There's uh, injuries. And then you get to game day. And you see all that stuff come to fruition. And I got to see it from a coach's point of view of that stuff coming to fruition and seeing these kids that were listening to the things I was saying, like the entire, uh, seven, eight weeks, you know, the main thing I said, every practice was defense wins championships. And we went out there and we played stellar defense. Our offense wasn't clicking, but we played such good defense that we won it. And 
there is such an emotion that comes with that player, coach, whatever you want to call it, whatever you want to be, that it, it brings you up and then it's over and it drops you down. <laughs> like, and so, and I feel this in competitions too, when I'm, when I'm lifting and, and when I go to a big meet and I'm on the plane and I've talked about this in, in my solo podcast about how like we, you know, I'll get on the plane and I'll start tearing up because like, it's that moment of the drop where it's like, okay, what's next now you're, you're leaning into a competition right now and you're going to, you're getting to a point where you have like T minus a week. Like you, you, you know, you'll be leaving the gym at this point a, next week, a week from right now, I'll probably be arriving home. Yeah. Hopefully. So your emotions are probably pretty high. You're, you're all your training over the past, what, 16 weeks. Is that, is that kind yep. of what, yeah, this has all been leading up to this. And so, you know, um, I don't want you to get ahead of yourself and talk about, you know, we'll talk about it after it happens, but like, talk about your, your lead up talk about what this 16 weeks has meant to you or it's been, been like, it's, it's been a whirlwind of emotion. Uh, I didn't know if I was ever going to compete again after worlds. Yeah. Uh, kind of the plan was not, I knew I wasn't going to say I wasn't, but I also wasn't going to say when I was. Yeah. And that was such an emotional ride. And, um, the ending of well, well, I don't know how do, how do I phrase this? The the ending of that book, that story, mm-hmm. didn't end exactly how people would imagine it happening. Yeah, uh, it, it wasn't pretty at the end. Right. So it definitely put a damper on the competition, and I just I had found myself in a new gym and in a new environment and something that was healthy, not something that was as toxic. And, um, there's no curtains with people hiding behind the curtains now <laughs> yeah. and saying one thing and acting another way. Yeah. So if anyone wants to know more, reach out to me direct. I'm not <laughs> going to put it out there. <laughs> well, and, and you make a, uh, I like, I like where you went with that because, um, you know, okay. Everybody talks about it, about, you know, when you retire. So I'm, I'll use Tom Brady, Tom Brady. Why didn't he retire when he, when he won the Super Bowl? Right. Why didn't he continue to retire? Well, like you want to end on a big moment, but then that big moment is really drives you to do more. So we don't want to end on a bad moment. It's like the way I've always felt is like, You'll, you'll know when you know, and there's people who put it out there and then come back and there's people who don't put it out there and then still lift and then say, you know what, this meet's coming up. I'm going to try for it. So like I, I, you just said, you didn't put it out there that you were going to be done. You were just, yeah. you were just taking time to, to assess the situation. Yeah. So basically I ended up competing at worlds, not because I wanted to, I felt the pressure and the obligation and the pure pressure and everything to do that meet. Right. And I said nine months before, I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing this for the team and for the coach. Right. I don't, I, I did not feel that I needed this for me. Right. And until three weeks before 
two weeks before mm-hmm. I was, I still wasn't doing it for me. Right. That last bit was like, okay, I have to do this for me. But that year was, was rough. Yeah. Um, I completed it. I did what I set out to do. I had a year of training leading up to one meet. Um, the, the outcome was what I wanted it to be. The competition was not what I wanted it to be. There was injuries. There was other people. My biggest competition ended up cutting a lot of weight and he wasn't able to compete very well. Yeah. I really wanted to go back and forth. Right. Um, so I, I, I finished that. I won the competition and I moved on. Right. But it wasn't my best total. It wasn't near my best total. It I, I knew I was capable of so much more if I was in the right environment with the right coaching and with the right people behind me. Mm-hmm. And probably 16 weeks ago, 15 weeks ago, this meet opened up and I felt that I had more like wind beneath my sails or any, some stupid crap like that. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, um, I like that you changed wings to sails. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not going to like lie about it. like training has been hard. Training has been rough. This has been some of the hardest stuff I've ever had to do. Yeah. Open-ended sets are freaking easy. Yeah. If you're told, "Hey, go hit a heavy single." That might be 80% for the day. If you're told, "Go hit 90% for three tri- or for three singles after doing 85% two days before for triples and that it's just been increasing like that for weeks. And then you're able to go out there and hit all three, like no straps, no misses, no press out. I, when I lead up into competition, my last two weeks, I generally wear singlet. I put a clock on, I have a timer going, uh, I think it was Dave Spitz told Donnie Shankle that, competition you're not lifting on your time anymore you're lifting on someone else's time right and it anyone can lift on their time anyone can make 28 attempts to make a lift and then feel that they made it yep you get three attempts in competition yeah so all my heavy days leading up to everything i have a number that i'm supposed to open with i have a 20 minute clock starting at the 20 minute clock mark as as there's one minute left, that is my timer to make that first lift. And then I'm on a two and a half minute clock from that point on. Yeah. Uh, for the next three. Yeah. So I, Friday, I totaled one under my best ever in competition going four for six. Nice. I wasn't unhappy. I wasn't happy. I wasn't, I wasn't excited. I wasn't like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I was like, all right, let's see if we can do better next week. So, yeah. But at the same time, I've been in competitions where I've walked into them having so much confidence and bombing out. Yeah. So I know that there still has to be that day. And I forgot which podcast. I think it was I sent it to you guys, the coaches tuck. And they were talking about oh, yeah. the difference between pride and ego mm-hmm. and how you having an ego basically is not good having an ego is you're just blowing stuff out of your butt having, but having pride is you are taking pride in what you've done and what you're, what you have accomplished. Yeah. And I think there's a big difference between those two. Yeah. So, well, you know, um, here's, here's the way I look at ego. 
And uh, I don't know. I'll probably piss some people off. Don't care. Um, but ego is, is our brain's way of protecting us from our insecurities. And when somebody says they have to have an ego when they step on that platform, in my opinion, that means you're insecure on when you walk up there. And so why, let, let's take a look at why maybe you might be insecure does it have to do with the training leading up? Does it have to do with your community? Does it have to do with the people that you're, you know, that you're lifting with? It has to do with something. There is an insecurity. You know, it is, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure if you look up ego and, and start going down that rabbit hole, you will find that it is a, it is a fear-based thing and it's there to protect you. You know, we needed, you know, the cavemen needed ego when they were fighting or whatever, you know, like people, ego, fighters need ego to protect themselves. When we're on the platform, we shouldn't walk out there needing to protect ourselves, but needing to take all that hard work, the training and everything we did leading up to it and put it in place. And that's where confidence comes in. Just like you just said, that's, you don't need an ego, you know, there's nothing to protect if you're doing the right thing. And so I really like, you know, I've, I've thought about this a lot and I've always, I've always been challenged by that thought that like, Oh, you need an ego to be a weightlifter. You don't, you need, you need a good consistent training. You need a good coach. You need good people behind you. You need, um, a, a good facility to train in. You need to know your body. You need, there's a lot of things you need to be a weightlifter. Ego is not one of them. And, I, and again, I, I, pissed up, if you're pissed off about that, maybe you should look at yourself in the mirror. I don't know. Yeah, no. But it, I think a big thing is, and I'm not saying, I don't, I don't like the word pride, but I, I think it's, I don't like the word prideful. Yeah. But if you're taking pride in what you've done, it's, yeah. you can look back and say, I put in the work. I put in the reps. I... I toned it down when I wasn't feeling good. I pushed it when I was feeling good. I didn't skip days. I didn't, I did what I was supposed to do. Yeah. And you, you saw me on Friday. You guys had arrived. We're all hyped up. Yep. I knew I wasn't going to do good that day. Yeah. Yeah. And I was told by my, by the, by Stephanie, I said, Hey, I don't think it's here today. And she said, at least try. Yeah. So I tried. I snatched 135. I don't remember if I clean jerked or not. And I said, it's just really not here today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was exhausted. It was it was a freaking chaos, crazy time because it was a big Friday. Mm -hmm. But I, I told her, I said, tomorrow it will be good. I can guarantee you that. Next day, I, I don't remember. I think I missed one. But I ditched the straps. That was first day with no straps. Yep. And I totaled like 305 with one miss, yeah, making some pretty big jumps in the clean dirt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I looked at you, and you had 70 on the bar. And I swear, I went and did my lift, and I looked back at you, and you had 120 on the bar. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> did that take me that long? <laughs> um, but I want to I kind of back up a little bit and, and talk about something you said, which is um, going heavy versus doing – uh, the percentage work and how much harder it is to do the percentage work, even though the percentage work might be lighter on paper than doing the heavy work and still feeling like you're getting the work in. 
Um, and, and I'm going to rephrase that a little bit, but like, um, I can tell you that the percentage work uh, may look lighter on way, on paper, but it's harder and it's leading you up to something. And so talk about that. Like, cause it was a big change, you know, you went from maxing out or, uh, max effort every day to, uh, doing percentage work at percentages that you probably, you maybe skipped by on the, on your heavy days. Like, was that sure. a mental thing? I mean, did that mentally fuck you basically? All right. So he, here's this. The, I don't, I don't care. I'm going to ruffle feathers. <laughs> the <laughs> easiest program to do and the easiest program to write is a max effort program. The yeah. Bulgarian program is the easiest program to follow and it's the easiest program to, to write. Right. If you are supposed to hit a max lift for the day, if you're feeling bad, like you can call, if you start missing at 70%, if your program, if they have enough knowledge to say no more than three misses and move on, if you're missing three at 70%, you moved on, you hit the program for the day, you hit 100% of what you were supposed to hit for the day. Right. There's no, you're not being held to a standard. It is just see what you can do. Right. A lot of inexperienced coaches love that because it's very easy to pro or to to point out what somebody's doing wrong when they're missing. Yeah. It takes a very different type of coach who can point out what's wrong or what needs to change when you're at seventy percent, eighty percent, eighty five percent, and your technique hasn't broken down yet. Yeah. So when it's programmed that you're supposed to hit triples at 84%, that's the that's the standard. Yeah. You are supposed to hit that. If you can't hit a triple at 84%, you failed for the day. Correct. And if you if it takes you more than two attempts, you failed for the day. You shouldn't be making multiple multiple attempts, especially doubles and triples and those kind of things just that that's where the ego kicks in where you're just like I just need to make it. Right. And it, it's not about just making it. It's making every rep look the same and every rep be like a competition rep. Yeah. It's so much more than that. And, and that's, um, and that's kind of where, I, uh, obviously I know you well enough, so I know here how you're going to answer that. And so, but I, I have, I have the same feelings about that. Um, I think there's just so much more to, okay, let me back up the, when I was talking to Stephanie in the, in the beginning, I was like, Hey, you know, do I send you videos? What do you, you know, what's your expectation there? And she said, if you do send me videos, first of all, I'll generally, you know, maybe once a week and I'll ask for them if I, if I want to see them. She's like, but I want to see your 70 to 80%. I don't want to see anything else. And I was like, oh, really crazy. Why? And she goes, because that is where I can pick out where the bad technique is. That is where I will help you the most is seeing where you're at at 70, 80% because you're generally going to be moving like you would in full speed at those percentages. And so I will be able to pick out your faults and like have and help correct them. She's like, if you're doing a 95 to hundred percent, like everybody's technique is bad in that moment. Like, and so it's, that, that's fight or flight right there. Yeah. You're just trying to make the lift. Yeah. So you're it's not like, trying to get better. Exactly. 
And so you're doing everything you possibly can. But if you're bad down in that 70 to 80, you're focusing on, you know, keeping it tight at the bottom, moving your knees back, all that fun stuff. Like, and she's like, you know, and, and so I've sent her probably since I've been on the program, maybe three videos and we, you know, she worked with me while I was down there. And I really, I, I, some of the things she told me I was able to correct and (laughs) surprisingly enough, even though I questioned why it was like that, it works. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Well, that, that's the other thing with a coach that knows what they're doing. If you question it, they can give you the reason. Yeah. They don't just say trust the program. They, don't, they, they can explain. It is their job to have more knowledge than you. So they're, they're not supposed to just tell you to try. Let's try this. See if it works. It's, hey, you're doing this, so you need to do this. Right. Or if they just say, hey, do this, if you say why, then they will say because of this, this, and this. Right. Right. So. Exactly. That, I mean, that makes a big difference. And, you know, I, there's something you said earlier that kind of just came through, which was Stephanie has her own coach, which I really mm-hmm. appreciate that. She's not writing program for herself. And I think that that's – I think I recently heard that on another podcast. But uh, I really do – I've always liked the fact that a coach has a coach because – it it tells me that like this is a sport where you cannot coach yourself. No, you <laughs> can't be a you can't be a good weightlifter if you don't have a coach. It doesn't mean you have to have a formal coach that you are paying all the time and who watches all your videos and everything, but you have to have someone who's overlooking your Correct. your progress. Correct. And if you don't ask your coach why. I feel that any coach who is lifting should have a coach. And if they don't, then they just think that they're too good and they don't need it or they don't take criticism well. And oftentimes those are the coaches who you question why you're supposed to do something and they can't give you an answer. Right. And that's a, that's a big red flag. Um, even, okay. I'm going to even equate this to what I did in flag football. I reached out to one of my college coaches and I was like, Hey, talk to me about like, <laughs> so dumb. I got these eight-year-olds. <laughs> I, I, that's what I said. I go, I got these eight-year-olds, and I, <laughs> I want to put in a new defensive package. What do you think about this? And, he's, and he, he poked some holes in it, and then he was like, why don't you try doing this? And so <laughs> it was funny because the uh, uh, last two practices, I put in a new defensive package, and it was like it was basically a cover one versus a cover two. I had my linebacker come back to a safety, so I had two safeties, and then I would blitz one of them. And so because the team was picking up that we were blitzing our safety and so they would throw the long ball and get, you know, get a a touchdown on it. And so um, I'm in practice and I'm teaching them. I'm getting them, you know, how to transition through this. And I look at them and I'm like, hey, guys, uh, what's your favorite fruit? One kid yells out watermelon. The other kid yells out pineapple. So defense one, my cover one was watermelon. Defense two was pineapple. So the entire game I'm yelling out pineapple, pineapple, pineapple. (laughs) It was absolutely ridiculous, but, but so much fun. Um, but yeah, like you gotta rely on like a coach. Isn't the know all a coach has a coach, a coach has a mentor, a coach has somebody that coached them. So like understand that like, you just, you need somebody, nobody in this world knows anything about everything about all sports or a a sport. And I would probably say 90% of the good coaches who are no longer lifting 
they still have a coach of some sort. It may not be a lifting coach. It may be right. uh, someone who helps them manage a management coach or a business coach or yep. a life coach, or it's somebody that they can go to who, who can help them with what they need. Right. Yeah. And bottom line is we need people to be successful. We can't do it on our own. Yeah. We, and I mean, I've been lifting just as long as Stephanie. Mm-hmm. I know, I don't want to say I know as much as her. She's much more of a coach than I am. I have a different career and she has followed this one very much a lot tighter than I have right. for that side of it. On paper, I don't need a coach. And honestly, she hasn't told me too much that I haven't already tried or that I know. But there's days where she sees things that I don't feel. Right. And then she can say, hey, you're doing this. And I'm like, oh, okay, then I have to do X, Y, and Z to fix it. Right. She doesn't have to tell me to fix it. She's saying, hey, you're doing this. Your your heels came up a millisecond early. Like your heels were at a quarter of an inch off the ground when you passed your quad muscle before you came into your hip. Yeah. Keep your heel. So then I know be more patient, keep the heels down longer, get that bar into the hip before the heels come up. That's the difference for me between a make and a miss. Yeah. Well, and that's a really good point because, um, and this is probably a whole nother, uh, topic or podcast, but it's the idea of what it means to coach, here, Jack, come say hi. 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 <laughs> um, <laughs> what it means to coach uh, a professional or a, an experienced athlete versus a, I don't know, a newbie, an amateur, right? Yeah. That is two different ball games right there. Equally rewarding because you can look at that experienced athlete and you can say, hey, your heels came up. And that experienced a- athlete is going to change it on their own and know how to change it. You tell mm-hmm. that you tell that to an amateur or somebody who's just coming in the sport, they're like, oh, "I don't know what that means," and yeah. it's a whole new, this whole another skill set. And so, when you're bringing new people into the sport, new people coming into the sport, be selective on who coaches you, and understand that like you need somebody who is going to teach you the fundamentals, because that's only going to help you five years down the road. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not you, – you need to have – be able to be open. If you're not going to be open to that, then your days are limited in the sport. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I, I was, heard yeah. – uh, Go yep. ahead. No, go ahead. I know. I was just thinking this is not really exactly on topic, but I was listening to another podcast the other day, and they had this singer on, uh, some old guy. I'd never heard of him, um, but he sung a song that I guess Toby Keith, I don't know if he, he wrote it for Toby, something Toby Keith was involved, and I know Toby Keith sang it, but right. um, there's a line in it that just really hit me, especially being like a master and all these people are talking about, oh, how much longer are you going to be able to do this? And or like, I'm too old for this sport. Mm-hmm. But the line was, if you didn't know your birthday, how old would you be? <laughs> that, like oh, wow that, that one hit me because i was like you know what i'm competing with all these people that are borderline half my age yep and i'm not letting it get to me at all yeah like i know my days are much more numbered than theirs are but maybe not maybe not i'm gonna be smarter with a lot of this stuff but i'm also not telling myself like oh i'm 
40 years old. You can't keep doing this. No. And I just thought that was a, I heard that the other day and I was just like, I've been thinking about it for like a week straight. <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> that's a really, sorry, I dropped that bomb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Holy. Oh man. I'm, you're going to get me thinking about that. We'll probably talk about that on another podcast or maybe five other podcasts, but <laughs> <laughs> um, that I love that dude. I mean, cause like, you know, you're so there, everybody, everybody in this world right now are talking about labels and judgments and blah, 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 blah. Uh, but we, you know, what is an age? It's kind of that. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of health things that come with age and a lot of other challenges, but I don't care about the challenges. It just depends on the type of person that you are. If you want to, um, push past those challenges or not. The, <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. The, I'm, I'm going to be thinking about that one for a while. <laughs> That's a good one. So. That's a really good one. Cool. Well, um, just coming right up on time here. So, okay. You're lifting next Sunday, um, at, uh, SoCal, correct? Correct. It's the Maverick open. Okay. I think, I don't think it's a classic yet. I don't know what the difference is really. <laughs> okay. Uh, tentative schedule is we're starting to lift at three forty-five. I think the SoCalWeightLifting.com has the link to their Twitch. Okay. Uh, they normally have real good, uh, not compet. Oh, well, yeah, they have real good competitors, but they have real good commentators. Oh, okay. Um, and they're they keep it entertaining. Uh, if you don't know anything about weightlifting, if you've never seen a weightlifting meet, they explain a lot of stuff. They'll explain what's a good lift, what's a bad lift. Um, Solid. They they know most of the people who are competing, so they kind of know some backstories, like. I mean, I've, I've been competing with them for six plus years, uh, know nice. a lot of them very well. Uh, and it's, it's always a, a real good meet and a real good show. Nice. Nice. Who, who are the, uh, uh the commentators? Uh, I know Cesar Flores is almost always on there. Yeah. And then that's, that's who that was. Okay, cool. He, he's the most common one who's going to be on for most of it. Awesome. Um, awesome personality, just knows how to talk, knows how to fill, fill the air with, with good content. Yeah. That's cool. And then there'll be a lot of different ones. Cause sometimes he needs a break. It's also two days. So, um, who knows, maybe I can finagle my win there for a little bit. Yeah. Hell yeah. That'd be awesome. Well, dude, um, I, I don't have any doubt in what you're going to do out there. I think that you're going to kick some ass and it's going to be fun. And, uh, you're going to, you're going to feel great afterwards because, it's a hell of an accomplishment, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm pushing for you. I'm sure I will be on the Twitch watching. Um, I pre-show we were talking a little bit about me getting on, but if they already have commentary, I'm not going to do that. Um, so, well, yeah, I'll just get out there, people. Get out there, support him. Go on the Twitch, watch it. Um, it'll, it's nothing like you'll ever see before. Uh, Cornell is is uh, pretty awesome to watch. Lift. In fact, so awesome to watch Lift that my uh, my wife thinks I have a crush on you. So I'm gonna leave that alone. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, "Why are you reposting his list so much? Do you are you are you like in love with him?" And I'm like, "No, this is what you do. <laughs> leave me alone." <laughs> you need more friends, lady. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh man. Um, all right, buddy. Well, um, if I know, I'll talk to you before then. But uh, formally. 
I hope you kick some ass, dude. Um, get out Thank there you. and uh, do what you know about what to do. So, Thank you. All right, buddy. Uh, thanks for being on. Everybody, thanks for listening. And uh, we'll talk to you in probably two weeks because we're not going to uh, record when Cornell's lifting. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> no mic'd up sessions. Anyways, uh, we'll uh, have a good weekend. Have a good week, all that stuff. And talk to you next time.